This podcast is brought to you by Dentons, the world's largest firm with a global team that builds agile, tailored solutions to meet the local, national, and global needs of clients for more than 200 locations in over 80 countries around the world. Please note that anything discussed on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. Welcome to Dentons Canada's Tax Insights Podcast. I'm your co-host, Gary Hegedish, a partner in the firm's tax group based in Edmonton. I'm joined by my co-host, Keith Hennel, who is also a partner in our tax group in Edmonton. On today's episode, we're going to highlight some of the tax measures that were recently announced in the 2023 federal budget. On March 28, 2023, Canada's finance minister, Christia Freeland, delivered the 2023 federal budget. The budget expects a deficit of $43 billion in 2022, 2023, and $40 billion in 2023 and 2024, and $35 billion in 2024, 2025. Some tax measures that we will speak about today are the changes to the alternative minimum tax, the general anti-avoidance rules, tax on share repurchases, dividends received by financial, financial institutions, tax treatment of credit unions, intergenerational transfers of business, and employment trust issues. But before we get into that, we want to note that this budget was big on green incentives designed to encourage investment in clean energy. Keith, can you tell us a bit about those measures? Thanks, Gergay. Yes. One major focus of this year's budget was developing Canada's green economy by introducing a slate of measures meant to encourage investment in clean energy. In particular, Budget 2023, introduced a new refundable clean hydrogen investment tax credit up to a maximum rate of 40%. And that rate depends on how uh, carbon intense the project is. Credit is available for the cost of purchasing and installing eligible equipment for eligible project projects. Eligible projects include projects that produce all or substantially all hydrogen through their production process. And the credit applies to property acquired and that becomes available for use um, after budget day and is subject to certain labor requirements, which will be a, a, a constant theme throughout these initiatives. Um, budget 2023 also expands the refundable 30% clean technology investment tax credit to include geothermal energy systems that are eligible for class 43.1 of the capital cost allowance regime. It applies to property that is acquired again for and available for use after budget day and that has not been used for any other purpose prior to its acquisition. It is not available for projects that, that co-produce oil, gas, or other fossil fuels. And this one again is, is also subject to certain labor requirements. Um, budget 2023 also introduced a new investment tax credit for clean technology manufacturing. Um, it's a 30% refundable tax credit on depreciable property for clean tech. Uh, manufacturing and processing, and uh, critical mining, extraction, and processing. It's uh, 20% in 2032, 10% in 2033, uh, 5% in 2034, and is eliminated in 2035. So some of the examples of eligible activities, manufacturing of renewable energy equipment, manufacturing of nuclear energy equipment, manufacturing of zero emission vehicles, so um, electric cars, Manufacturing of used equipment to produce hydrogen and from electrolysis, um, extraction of and processing of lithium, cobalt, nickel, graphite, copper, and rare earth minerals. So definitely important for our, our mining um, clients and, and businesses. Zero emission technology manufacturers. So this one, um, budget 2021 provided for the reduction of corporate tax rates on certain qualifying zero emission technology income. Um, budget 2023 expands this to include 
um, the following eligible activities. Manufacturing of nuclear energy equipment, processing or recycling of nuclear fuels and heavy water, manufacturing of nuclear fuel rods. Um, and this applies to taxation years beginning after 2023. Um, and budget 2023 proposes to extend reduced rates by three years. So phase out begins in 2032 and is eliminated in 2035. Uh, carbon capture utilization and storage. There's measures that there in the budget with respect to this. Um, so originally announced in budget 2022 and clarified in budget 2023, um, it expands um, and changes certain conditions for the refundable investment tax credit for carbon capture utilization and storage. Um, so dual use equipment that produces heat and or power or uses water is, is eligible for the credit. Um, First Columbia is added to the, as an eligible jurisdiction and it's added to with existing Alberta and Saskatchewan um, and for dedicated geological storage. Um, there's circumstances where third party can validate um, the use of concrete for storing CO2. It's not permissible to double up um, with other clean energy investment credits on the same property. Um, the budget provided details on claims for credit on refurbishment costs. Um, and there's no refurbishment costs incurred after 20 years um, period of the project. And the corporations claiming credit um, are required to produce an annual climate risk disclosure report. So um, there's a lot of detail in these measures that we, uh, we're not covering, but these are some of the highlights. Um, so it's pretty vast. Um, and, and again, these measures are, are designed to spur investment into green tech and greening the economy. Thanks, Keith. Yeah, it seems like there's a ton of measures uh, that, that companies might be able to take advantage of in developing the green energies. So they should uh, look into it and see whether they might be eligible for some of these measures. For sure. And Greg, I think uh, the next on the on the list to talk about was the, the general anti-avoidance rule and some, some potential changes there. That's right. So budget 2023 is uh, proposing to make some pretty significant changes to the general anti-avoidance rules. Uh, firstly, they're going to introduce a preamble that basically explains the purpose of the rule. They're also going to change the avoidance transaction standard and introduce an economic substance rule. Uh, while also introducing a penalty and extending the reassessment period in certain circumstances. So they're going to change the threshold um, for avoidance transactions. They're going to reduce it from the, requiring it to be a primary purpose to one of the main purposes. Um, they're also going to add a rule to the GAR so that um, it better meets the objective of requiring uh, economic substance in addition to literal compliance with the words of the Income Tax Act. Uh, and also they're going to be implementing a 25% penalty um, equal to the amount, 25% of the tax benefit. Uh, and they're also going to extend the normal assessment period by three years. Um, so the CRA will have more time to look at transactions to determine whether uh, the GAR should apply. So some pretty significant changes to the rule broadening. It's going to apply in more circumstances. There's going to be more significant consequences. Um, so uh, it'll give the government a lot more um, leeway in, in administering the GAR. Something for all tax planners to be mindful of and and those who are you know completing any tax-driven transactions to, to be top of mind. 
Yeah, so they've already reduced some or introduced some proposed legislation. It hasn't passed into law yet, but um, there's a good chance it'll pass later this year. So um, advisors should be keep their eyes open for when these, these measures are actually implemented. Um, next, we're going to talk a bit about the AMT, which is the alternative minimum tax. And so the government's proposing to increase the exemption, which is currently at $40,000, uh, up to $173,000. So in effect, the AMT will apply to less taxpayers, but the government's going to increase the, the AMT rate from 15% to 20.5%. And so that means although less people will be caught by the AMT, those that have to pay will have to pay more. And under the new rules, there's certain deductions um, of 50% of certain deductions, such as employment expenses and moving expenses will be disallowed. Um, so some pretty significant changes to AMT and they come into effect. Uh, for taxation years beginning beginning after 2023 so those individuals with you know in the top income brackets will be affected by these measures so they should um, plan accordingly and, and be aware of these changes and, and Gurgay, just for our listeners out there the amt alternative uh, minimum tax and can you just uh, kind of describe that a little bit um and what that's about yeah so basically it's a parallel measure um, that ensures the taxpayers who are in significant amount aren't able to reduce their uh, their income so that in a way through credits and deductions so that they don't have to pay any tax. So in effect, people who are in significant income will still have to pay a certain amount of tax. So it's a parallel calculation uh, designed to to ensure that everyone pays their fair share. Um, it typically catches those, you know, earning the most income, and now it's going to be a, a narrower pool of individuals who earn significant income, but the, the amount that they will have to pay will be more. Thanks, Gurgain. So the next, the next um, budget measure we're going to chat about is a dividend deduction that applies really kind of narrowly to financial institutions. And so budget 2023 introduces a new rule that would deny the intercorporate intercorporate dividend deduction under Section 112 of the Income Tax Act, where the recipient of the dividend is a is a corporation that is a financial institution, and the dividend is received on what is known as a, a share that is known as a market a mark to market property of that FI um, financial institution. So, and a mark to market share is generally uh, those where the financial institution holds less than 10% of the votes in value. Um, so if a financial institution holds one of these types of shares, it will be denied the dividend deduction on that dividend received on that share. And um, gains and losses on these mark to, um, market shares are taxed on account of income and not capital. So what this measure does is basically kind of keeps the treatment of that dividend as income um, and to align income treatment for those financial institutions um, going forward. So it's a pretty narrow measure in that it just applies to financial institutions receiving dividends, right? That's correct, on certain types of share. The government's also introducing a 2% tax on the net value of all types of share repurchases by public corporations in Canada. So this tax would apply to public corporations, uh, which for the purposes of this measure are Canadian resident corporations whose shares are listed on a designated stock exchange, but excludes mutual fund corporations. It also applies to real estate investment trusts, specified investment flow-through trusts, and SIFT partnerships if they have units that are listed on a designated stock exchange. There are certain exceptions uh, to the netting rule being proposed. Um, there's fund transactions would not be caught, 
and that would be include the issuance and cancellation of debt-like preferred shares and units, and the issuance and cancellation of shares or units in certain corporate reorganizations and acquisitions, including amalgamations, liquidations, and share-for-share -share exchanges. The tax does not apply if the amount repurchased is less than $1 million of equity in a taxation year, and that amount's prorated for shorter taxation years uh, as determined on a gross basis. So the tax is going to apply to repurchases in excess of $1 million of equity and will start effective on January 1st, 2024. So any uh, public corporations that are repurchasing shares should be aware of this measure because they might be hit with this additional 2% tax. Interesting. Okay, the next next issue was uh, kind of near and dear to my heart is on some changes to international transfer or intergenerational transfer. Sorry, um, there's been a lot of discussion on leveling the playing field from the tax perspective uh, in business owners being able to sell their business to you know, one of their children versus third party prior to 2021. Um, it was generally more tax advantageous to sell for a business owner to sell to a third party and not to a family member. Um, Bill C-208, which was implement, introduced in 2021 um, to avoid this negative kind of tax implication um, to certain intergenerational transfers of qualified um, small business corporations shares and shares of family farm and fishing corporations um, came in, um, making it from a tax so from a tax perspective, um, it gave the business owners similar tax treatment on the sale shares of their business to um, that they would have received if they sold to a third party. So that was um, welcome, a welcome legislative change. Um, however, that, that legislation last year um, had some holes in it um, that the government said they would be looking at and looking to correct and update. Um, and so budget 2023, it, the government has addressed this legislation and some of the gaps. And they did it by actually fully um, um, replacing um, prior legislation that came into effect last year. Um, and it provides new legislation to permit business owners to transfer the shares of their qualified small business corporation or family farm and fishing corporation to a child or children in a more tax effective manner than before, uh, effectively avoiding the application of the 84.1 of the Income Tax Act on the sale and enabling that parent business owner to receive capital gains treatment and potentially the use of their lifetime capital gains exemption if they have that available. Um, just So it's definitely something to consider if, if, if a business owner is looking at transferring and transitioning their business to kind of their family to the next generation. Um, just note that these new rules are very complicated, and um, but they do provide planning opportunities for intergenerational transfers of the business. So uh, they come into effect January 1st, 2024. And uh, definitely we would be happy to discuss how these rules might apply um, to be a benefit to you or your client. So Keith, um, it seems like new rules came into effect from Bill C-208 back in June 2021. And now there's another new set of rules being introduced in effective January 1st. 2024. So are there going to be different rules in place at different times? And how does that all play out? Yeah, that's correct, Gergay. You're going to be under the old regime this year and for last year. Um, and then starting in 2024, you're going to be under this new regime. So definitely have to be mindful of when you're planning to uh, to take use of it, either of these rules, which what you're falling into and what the requirements are. Sure, that sounds like that uh, something that's really technical that 
people should be aware of and they could easily be caught aware off offside if they're they're not aware of these changes being implemented yeah for sure so uh, there's some changes with respect to credit unions as well so under the existing legislation if a credit union earns more than 10 percent of its revenues um, from sources other than certain specified sources uh, such as interest income from lending activities it would not meet the definition of a credit union um, in the under the income tax and GST rules governing credit unions. Um, so these rules, these special rules won't apply to to the these entities. Um, and this could result in adverse tax consequences. Um, and that's even though the governing legislation of a credit union permits it uh, to earn income from these other sources. So budget 2023 is, is hoping to fix that uh, by eliminating the revenue test from the definition of credit union um, so that it, it can accommodate how credit unions currently operate because generally they have uh, multiple streams of income. And so it would come in, it would apply in respect of uh, taxation years ending after 2016. So uh, it seems like a bit of a saving provision for credit unions to make sure they're not caught off guard uh, in, in the event that they are they have multiple streams of revenue. And uh, it seems like there's some, some change, a new employee ownership trust that's being proposed in this budget. Can you tell us a bit about that, Keith? Yeah, thanks, Greg. Yeah, so budget 2023 does introduce rules for uh, employee ownership trust. So Employee ownership trusts are formed uh, for the purpose of holding shares of a corporation for the benefit of its employees. So an interesting and, and vehicle to explore for employee ownerships of, of a business. Um, so budget 2023 introduces these employee ownership trust rules to facilitate the acquisition and holding of shares of a qualifying business and rules come into effect January 1st, 2024. So qualifying business um, for the purpose of these rules is defined as a Canadian controlled private corporation where at least 90% of the corporation's assets are used principally in an active business uh, carried on primarily in Canada and the business is not carried on through a partnership. So um, definitely something to explore for business owners that um, you know want employee um, ownership or you know through a trust and kind of facilitates in a really in a tax effective manner, this mechanism, this ownership structure, you know, has a lot of different rules with respect to um, capital gains reserves and and planning in that respect. So the rules are complex, but um, will provide another vehicle for Canadian controlled private corporations to incentivize and reward employees and facilitate the transfer of uh, of ownership of of a business. Sounds super interesting. Yeah, and. The last measure we're going to talk about today are the international tax measures. So currently, number numerous countries around the world are working towards uh, multi multilateral negotiations um, to implement Pillar One, which is basically uh, one of the pillars that are designed to prevent companies from shifting their profits to lower tax jurisdiction. So they're hoping to sign these measures by the middle of this year. Uh, with a view to having them coming to force at the beginning of 2024. However, there can be some pretty significant uh, consequences if uh, the, the if this framework is not in, in put, put into force um, in the middle of this year. So, uh, one of the one of these examples is the digital services tax would be payable as of 
2024 in respective revenues earned as of January 1st, 2022. So some retroactive measures uh, that would that would impose tax that that uh, wasn't previously there. So the, the digital services tax would apply at a rate of 3% on certain revenue earned by large business businesses from certain digital services that are aligned on the engagement data and content contributions of Canadian users, as well as other certain sales or licensing of can Canadian user data. And it would apply to large businesses, both foreign and domestic that meet two revenue thresholds. And if a taxpayer is a member of a consolidated group, these thresholds are determined on a group basis. So the first threshold is the total revenue threshold. And so if a, ta a taxpayer or its consolidated group earns total revenue from all sources uh, exceeding 750 million euros uh, in a fiscal period, um, then that would target, that would uh, meet the total revenue threshold. And the other threshold is the Canadian in-scope revenue threshold. Uh, and if this, if a taxpayer earns more than $20 million in of Canadian in-scope revenue in a calendar year, then it would meet this test. And so the government intends to, to also release draft legislation regarding Pillar 2 in the, in the coming months. So a number of important changes we've talked today about resulting from the 2023 budget, including green energy incentives, the AMT, the GAR, tax on share repurchases, dividends received by financial institutions, the tax treatment of credit unions, intergenerational transfers of business, and employment ownership trust. So a lot of changes being implemented, and we recommend that if you have any questions, you can please feel free to reach out to your local Denton's tax advisor for more information, and we'd happy be happy to discuss any of these measures with you. Thanks for listening. Have a yes. great day, everyone. Thank you.